Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, my finest friends. I hope you're all okay out there in internet land and ready to start season three of the Tom Petty Project podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Brown. This is the podcast that digs into the entire Tom Petty catalogue, song by song, album by album, and includes conversations with musicians, fans, and people connected with Tom along the way. Uh, Today, we start digging into the third Heartbreakers record, Damn the Torpedoes. It's a lesser-known title, uh, buried in the annals of time, and known only to a few select petty nerds. Well, according to Schrodinger's mathematical conclusions, this might be true in some alternate universe, but thankfully, not in ours, where this album is one of the biggest rock and roll records of all time. A friend of mine recently commented on a Facebook post of mine that this is, quote, one of the best-sounding rock albums ever made, and I think this is going to be a a recurrent theme as we head into the Jimmy Iovine era. Now, lots to talk about with this song, uh, so go listen to it first, if you need to, and we'll reconvene to talk about the first track from Damn the Torpedoes, the brilliant, the urgent, the classic, Refugee. In doing my research for this one, a line from Paul Zolo's book, Conversations with Tom Petty, really hit me hard. Um, It's not related to the music or really the lyrics or the reception to the song or its legacy. Uh, But as Tom and Paul are discussing the song, Tom says, I'm just proud to have been there on that one. That sense of grounded contribution to a song is such a superb reminder of the character and the humility that Tom maintained throughout his career. When these interviews took place, Tom didn't need to downplay his own part in this song. I mean, it's Refugee, for goodness sake. But still, those human moments of wonder and appreciation really shine through and illuminate who Tom was as an artist and as a person. Mike Campbell birthed Refugee by sending a cassette tape to Tom. And for those listeners who are too young to remember, cassette tapes were like having an iPhone for each album, except bigger and less reliable. Tom then paced around his living room listening to and composing on top of it very quickly and naturally, or as we'd say in 2022, organically. Um, Again, this is a measure of how innately brilliant and musical a mind Tom had because, and we'll get into this later, that's not the melody most people would write to that chord progression. But obviously, the music hit Tom like a freight train and took him down a very specific melodic and musical path. Famously, it took days, literally days, for producer Jimmy Iovine to get the drums sounding how he thought they should sound. And this went on to such an extent that it led to a very short departure from the band uh, of drummer Stan Lynch, just because of his frustration with that process. However, when Refugee starts, you have to tip your hat and say that the intro has to, just has to sound exactly that way. We get that short but iconic drum intro starting on the three of the fourth bar, leading into Ben Montench's soaring opening organ part. My opinion is that Jimmy Iovine's greatest contribution, or certainly one of his greatest contributions to the Heartbreaker sound, was recognising how integral and important Tench was to how the band sounded live, and figuring out how to get that across in the studio. Listen to how expertly that track is recorded and mixed on this record, and you'll have a sense of how a producer can take a great band and just set them off on a trajectory that they were not on before and might not have found with a different, less focused and hungry producer. So we get a four-bar intro with an epic organ fullness on top of that F-sharp minor A-E chord progression, and then we're treated to one of the all-time classic Mike Campbell guitar licks. 
This is the foundation for the song and what promises to be the highlight of the whole thing. Of course, we don't know at this point where Tom is going to go vocally, but back to that guitar, if you had to condense the essence of Mike Campbell in one simple lick, it's probably this one. It's not virtuosic, it's not revolutionary, but you'll never, ever forget it. Any street busker could play that guitar phrase on a beat-up old acoustic and you'd instantly know what it was and who wrote it. After that central refrain is established, we head straight into the first verse. Tom fits a lot of words into an interesting melody line that almost works as a counterpoint to the main chord progression, but doesn't really stray too far away from it. It's such an interesting timing and, and cadence that he uses, and again, sets Refugee apart from almost anything else that was being written at the time. Considering that Tom says that he wrote this basically on the fly, mostly in one go, those opening lines, we get something, we both know it, we don't talk too much about it, ain't no real big secret all the time, somehow we get around it. They're just jaw-dropping. It disarms you right away because you're immediately taken away from the notion that this is going to be a, a predictable rock song about women or excess or, you know, any of the regular rock and roll tropes of the late 70s, early 80s. And I usually talk about lyrics to the songs later on in these episodes, but I'm going to sort of switch that up and talk about it, I think, up front because it's so remarkable to me. There are three verses in the song, and the third one is really just a modification of the second, but there are more exceptional lines in this one than most artists will ever write in their career. Tell me why you want to lay there, revel in your abandon. Somewhere, somehow, somebody must have kicked you around some. Right now, this ain't real to you. It's one of those things you've got to feel to be true. You know, it's they're so powerful, and it's, again, like a really sort of um, insightful analogy of how love and relationships can make you feel isolated and oppressed or as sort of an outsider in your own life. And it speaks to that very human failing of lack of empathy for another person on both an intimate and on a cultural level. There's no mean feat. The song has an A-A-B-A structure, also known as a 32-bar structure. So two eight-bar sections, which are that F-sharp minor A-E in this case, with a pre-chorus, which is the sort of the third eight bars, and that last eight bars goes back into that same uh, phrase as the first 16. And it's such a common structure that it can be hard to find much dynamic movement in it, but Tom does this by really pushing his vocal delivery to the top of his range, which are aided by some really good musical pushes. You don't bang half. So that little bit in the middle of don't bang half, you know, it gives it that punch that it would lack otherwise before it goes back into that AAB pattern for that second time. Um, another brilliantly written piece of this song is the bridge. Again, simple sounding, but Refugee's minor key tension is completely lifted by that major chord middle eight. When we hit that A chord in the second line, the whole song resolves to something safe and familiar before building back into that 16-bar repeated riff for the organ solo, which also then loads into Mike's very succinct guitar solo. And again, that ear for composition and arrangement blows me away every time I listen to this song. The balance between those two parts is impeccable. Ben Mont is, is really elevated from sideman to central player on this track, and his tone and phrasing is so precise and melodic that it allows Mike's bluesy solo to effortlessly bite back into that minor key with a real ferocity before we get that descending run back into the final verse. Texturally, the song really does hang on Benmont's organ and Mike's minimal but powerful guitar parts. Those slides at the end of the fourth bar of that A section resolve us beautifully and back into that minor chord. And the interplay between the keyboard and guitar sits behind that vocal line and fills in the spaces that it leaves. Or, again, it works almost as a counterpoint to where Tom is going melodically. 
you could see how this would have been a really difficult song to balance because though it sounds really simple, there's actually a, there's a ton going on between those like three lead parts and there's a lot of stuff going on between the lines, which means that, you know, the rhythm section really needs to drop back out and not sort of overcomplicate things. So that rhythm section of Ron Blair and Stan Lynch, they simply keep that main riff driving forward. There are some switches that Ron puts in between verses, but for the most part, this is another song with those two are just keeping time and ensuring that that three-pronged attack of Benmont, Mike and Tom have very solid foundations to build their castle on. You don't have to live like a refugee. <sighs> on top of the brilliance of everything about this song musically is Tom's delivery of one of the best rock and roll lines ever written. He's not singing this line, he's howling it. He's imploring it, burning it onto your consciousness. And you, you, we come back again, I've talked about this before, about we come back to intonation, phrasing and timing. It's a song that no one else really covers well because the timing of the delivery of that specific line is so, it's so Tom Petty that it's hard to do justice to if you're someone else. If you're not Tom Petty, you can't do it. Alrighty, it's time for us to get back to some petty trivia. In episode 11 of season 2, I don't know if anyone remembers that far back now, I asked you, what was the name of Tom Petty's character in the animated series King of the Hill? The answer is Elroy Lucky Kleinschmidt, or simply Lucky. Tom voiced the character in 28 episodes over a period of five years, and speaking to Rolling Stone in late 2017, the show's creator, Mike Judge, remarked that Tom was the nicest, most humble, and unassuming rock star you could ever hope to meet. A sentiment I think all of us petty heads would agree with. Your question for this week is this. Which, not all girl, but mainly girl band, primarily famous in the 80s, recorded backing vocals for the track Waiting For Tonight? which was a part of the Full Moon Fever sessions and subsequently released on the playback box set. Okay, back to the song. According to Mike Campbell, the song was inspired by listening to John Mayall and the Blues Breakers version of Oh Pretty Woman, on which an 18-year-old Mick Taylor played a super bluesy riff over the top of future Fleetwood Mac bass player John McVeigh's bass line, and again, a very steady riff. Mike had picked up a Gibson guitar and wanted to try playing a similar style of lead lick over top of a minor key riff, and this was the result. And the song really kick-started a songwriting partnership that would last for the next four decades or so, despite a small number of looser collaborations uh, between the two on those first two albums. You know, Mike sending over demos or riffs for Tom to play with would become a more common feature of the Heartbreakers' MO over the years and led to a number of notable additions to the band's catalogue. And despite the problems um, in trying to get the song to sound exactly the way the band and Jimmy Iovine wanted it to, with as many as 100 takes being performed according to some sources, the band finally found the groove and the fruits of their labour produced a song as long-lasting and timeless as any in the rock and roll canon. Jimmy Iovine may have driven them crazy at times, but as Mike says, Jimmy was on a mission. We were on a mission too, but Jimmy was just driven. He wanted to make the best record ever made, and he wanted to be the guy to do it. Well... It's hard to argue with the results. Okay, 
Okay, you lovely people, that's all for this week. I'm pumped to be talking about this album as it's among the most iconic rock and roll records of all time. Um, cutting the episodes down to time, I think, is going to be more challenging than finding things to talk about, um, which is sometimes the case, or has been on the first two seasons. Uh, it should come as no surprise that I'm going to give Refugee a 10 out of 10. It's a flawless piece of composition, arrangement, production, and just all-round genius. Every part is perfect, and I'd be surprised if anyone disagreed with me on this. So we're almost done for this week, but before I sign off, I wanted to shout out to last week's guest, Gwen Jones. I had a great time talking to Gwen, and as a reminder, I wanted to pay forward the the generosity that she regularly shows on her Facebook group, Tom Petty Fans Forever, which you should all go and join, uh, by giving away a copy of John Scott's excellent memoir, Tom Petty and Me. I posted a question in that group asking, which US state does Gwen call home? Well, the stars at night are, of course, big and bright, deep in the heart of Texas. Um, A whole bunch of people got this answer correct, and after drawing names out of a hat, the winner is, drumroll, it's a crappy drumroll, but there you go, Uh, Lisa Bradley. So I will get in touch with Lisa on social media and send her John's book uh, to read and enjoy. And I intend for this sort of giveaway thing to start being a, a once-per-season type of deal where I, I figure out some piece of Tom memorabilia or maybe it's going to be an album or maybe it'll be a, a poster or something or other or maybe it'll be something from um, one of my guests that I have on uh, and I'll switch up where, where I do that on my social media so it won't always be in one Facebook group. I might do a Twitter giveaway or Instagram or I might just, you know, or I might just pick someone I like and give them something. So we'll see where that goes. Uh, my last shout out this week is to my very best friend Randy Woods for his continued provision of music for my podcast. He composed and recorded the intro outro music you're going to hear, which will be, I think, going forward the front and back of the show. Um, and he also, of course, provides all the wonderful riffs and licks in between. Uh, don't forget to follow me on Facebook and Instagram at the Tom Petty Project and on Twitter at Tom Petty Project. You can also find me on YouTube. So go follow, like, subscribe, or whatever, whichever platform wants you to do, go do that. And please leave a review or a rating if you haven't already. Um, Again, I I just love talking to all of you on social media. Um, I have endless time and patience for doing that. And um, so far, I've only got great positive feedback and some wonderful interactions with with the people who listen to this podcast. Um, As a reminder, again, just to start season three, the Tom Petty Project is not affiliated with the Tom Petty Estate in any way. Uh, And when you're looking for Tom's music, please go visit the official YouTube channel first to try to find what you're looking for. Uh, You should also check out TomPetty.com and go browse the merchandise and the store that's on the site. Until we meet again next week, keep listening to and sharing Tom's music. Try to be kind. Try to say I love you to someone at least once a day. Stay safe and healthy, and I'll be back with you next week with Episode 2 from Season 3, Here Comes My Girl. Bye-bye.